As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. This is Talk of the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United. I'm Ian Irving and with us today are Andy Mitten and Laurie Whitwell. We had all sorts planned for this podcast, but it's been completely ripped up because it's been a couple of days of swirling speculation about Eric Ten Hag and Manchester United. So we're going to update you on the very latest on that. We'll also, of course, preview the match against Everton this weekend as well. But let's get straight into it. I don't see any point in wasting any time. Laurie, where are we up to with this? Everyone will want to know what's happening with Ten Hag. Yeah, obviously it's become um, a key sort of question for everybody given the reports uh, on Wednesday night in terms of Ten Hag being the preferred candidate and it being at an advanced stage. Um, all I can say from the Athletics point of view is that we will let you know as soon as we have absolutely copper-bottomed the story and um, got everything... Good phrase, by the way. And is, is that a well-known nice phrase? Word. I sort of use that. It is now. Yeah, Copper bottom, get get the old soldering iron out. Uh, make sure it's all reinforced. <laughs> um, I mean, listen, as we as we mentioned in the piece discussing the merits of Ten Hag and Pochettino on, uh, I think it came out on Tuesday. Um, Ten Hag has been pulling the most support at Manchester United and talks on an advanced stage. Um, now, you know, the official line for Manchester United is that there are still you know candidates involved. Or clearly, much here, Pochettino has been. Paramount's thoughts, um, but the situation is developing, and I suppose in terms of the absolute latest, you know, we have to kind of go back to what I've you know said there, and we will update you as soon as we can say absolutely with authority which way it's going to go and how it's going to finish, um, like we did with Ralph Ranyet. You know, we, we we published that when we knew it was a done deal. Um, so I don't know, Andy, you you look like you're itching to say something new as well. Just getting a missed call here from Mr. Ten, ten, ten Arg in Amsterdam. Just saying there. <laughs> <laughs> My wife wants to know what the Trafford Centre's like. <laughs> I wish. No, I agree with you, Laurie. It, it, it's a situation which is evolving. It's evolved in the last couple of days. He hasn't signed a contract to be Manchester United manager yet. He is the forerunner. He is the one who I think most Manchester United fans want to become the next manager of the club. There's momentum around it, but our job as journalists is to uh, to tell the truth. Um, we know what's been going on in the background in terms of the talks, in terms of the other people who've been spoken to or 
who haven't been spoken to. We know that John Murta and Darren Fletcher are leading the interviews, as they did with the interim manager, and these can be long, extensive interviews. We know that before that, when the, the due diligence started, the opinions of some former players who've got very valid opinions um, were, were, were consulted about the next manager of Manchester United. And we know that uh, Richard Arnold is now part of the process. He's not making any football decisions, but it would be remiss for the main executive of the club not to be um, involved at, at this stage. But as we speak at the moment, he's not signed a contract, but I'm sure we all expect him to be the next Manchester United manager. Yeah, we should point out that we're recording just after half past 10 in the morning on Thursday. This is the current situation. These things can move quickly, but I think by the time this podcast reaches your ears, that should still be the position. Famous last words, maybe, but there you go. Uh, Andy, are we able to say who these former players are that have been consulted? No, uh, I, 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 I'd be uncomfortable saying that, but when I heard of the process that had gone on, I thought, I'm glad that these people are being asked. Okay. I think people just jump to conclusions that Paul Scholes is deciding who the next Man United manager is. It's nothing like that. If you look at the history of players who've been at the club, they're drawn from multiple nationalities. They've got multiple contacts. It would be remiss not to speak, for example, to a Dutch player about Eric Ten Hag or to a player who, who knows some of the other candidates like Mauricio Pochettino. If I was employing someone on a huge contract, I would do exactly the same. That doesn't mean that they're making the decision. That means that Manchester United as a football club are doing as much diligence as possible to build up a picture of whether the person they're putting in for an extremely important appointment is going to be the right man for the job. And even then, there's no guarantees. You wrote about the the choice between Pochettino and Ten Hag in the piece that you mentioned earlier, Laurie. Why do you think... Ten Hag has emerged as the front runner in this. I think there's a few reasons, and listen, Mauricio Pochettino certainly has had major support back from people at Manchester United, and you know to the extent where it felt like he was going to be the one at one stage, you know, probably February March time um, where he was the leading contender. Um, I think, as Andy said, United have gone away and done hopefully diligent work um, in terms of finding out whether he could fit into the Premier League because that's one of the big questions, isn't it? You know, he's not managed outside of the Netherlands, um, apart from when he was Bayern Munich uh, reserve manager under Pep Guardiola. Um, so that is one of the questions, but I think they've been um, given confidence in that, that he can adapt. Um, for example, uh, Steve McLaren gave a talk, um, who you know obviously was assistant to Alex Ferguson during the treble and knows English football, knows Dutch football. He was actually at FC 20 as manager when Eric Ten Hag was his assistant, so he knows Eric Ten Hag as well. He gave a talk, McLaren, at the Etihad Stadium at a conference um, where he spoke about how he felt that Eric Ten Hag could adapt to life at Manchester United. And I think he's somebody that, you know, his opinion holds weight in this situation. Um, so I think, listen, we'll, we'll hopefully find out exactly what reason United have for, for going for Eric Ten Hag. I think you look at the situation with Ajax as well and the fact that, you know, they are understanding that their managers, their players will move on at some stage. Um, there's obviously a release clause in Eric Ten Hag's contract um, with Richard Pochettino, it's a bit more complex, isn't it? You can't be as open uh, as you can be with Eric Ten Hag in terms of what Paris Saint-Germain's views are. Listen, they may have now come to a conclusion where um, it's they're okay with 
Mauricio Pochettino leaving the club, but still there's negotiation that would be involved there. Um, I'm not saying that United have made a decision based on finances or ease of extraction, but uh, you know they're, they're considerations, I suppose, in terms of as you progress in these talks. Um, but yeah, hopefully we'll get um, more information about exactly why in the days coming. And Andy, is the issue the same in terms of getting hold of people and, and getting people out of clubs when it comes to the two Spanish names that were linked, Luis Enrique and Lopetegui? I think if United felt they could have got Luis Enrique, he might well have been the choice, but he made it quite clear publicly that he wants to manage Spain in the World Cup finals this year. And Manchester United absolutely want a new manager in for the start of the new season. They don't want to go down the interim manager route once again. Um, Lopetegui I think was always behind the two who've become the forerunners and he's a talented manager Uh, he's realised what's going on and he last week declared how happy he is at Seville if Manchester United would have offered him the contract do I think he would have accepted that? Absolutely, one hundred percent. But this, this, this is how um, this is how football works. With Luis Enrique, the timing, the sequencing, it, it, it's not fortuitous for for Manchester United. Maybe in the future he will manage Manchester United. Um, hopefully, the manager who comes in will be long-standing and successful, and we don't hear any more of Luis Enrique. I always felt he's an excellent manager. He would have been my choice, but it wasn't a choice Manchester United could make because he's contracted to somewhere else um, where he's very, very happy. Laurie, the next issue is going to be assistant manager, isn't it? Because that's another issue where the speculation is swirling once again about who it could be, who are the people in line. The names mentioned have all got Manchester United links in Steve McLaren, Rennie Mullenstein and Robbie Van Persie as well, it seems. (laughs) Interesting, isn't it? I mean, someone like Steve McLaren coming back, would that be popular? Would that be a wise choice? I'm not sure. It depends how his sort of Dutch English is, is going. Will he act as a middleman between them or will he? You talk about perceptions. It is interesting on perceptions of even Ten Hag and Pochettino. You know, it was uh, kind of intriguing that Gary Neville did that poll where... It was, wasn't it? Yeah, I agree. 80% came out with Ten Hag on Twitter. and I, I Really sort of, high. I asked this in the piece where it was... Is that based on what people have seen in the Champions League? Is that based on what people generally think about Eric Ten Hag? Or is it because he's got a bit of mystique about him? You don't know, you know, there's, there's kind of like an unknown quality to him in terms of what he could potentially produce in the Premier League. Whereas with Pochettino, you kind of feel like you know what he's capable of. Although, again, that was in a different environment at Tottenham in terms of the spend and in terms of um, the kind of ambitions and, and the kind of calibre of player they could attract. So, um, it's kind of interesting, you know, if you'd have taken that poll at any other point throughout the last sort of two years, I'm sure Pochettino would have been much higher ranked. You know, it's well known, isn't it, how long the courtship there has been going on, um, you know, dating back to... Will United ever appoint Mauricio Pochettino? It. Or will it just be like second choice <laughs> forever? Always the bridesmaid. Well, listen, you know, still still, yeah. still time in this one, but um, it, it does it does feel like, you know, that, that, that lunch that he had with Sir Alex Ferguson back in 2016 was perhaps the peak moment for him in terms of a United link. I hope it was a good lunch. They might get. Hope Fergie got the tab. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but in terms of assistant managers, listen, that will be something that's discussed, and I think it's an important part of um, what the p- full package is because we saw with Ralph Ranick that you know, in terms of the assistants and Chris Armas and you and Sharp not having experience of. 
uh, the Premier League has that worked? You know, that's a big question mark. So I think it feels like there's a conscious effort to make sure that Ten Hag is supported in the right way here. Um, but again, it's it's far too early to say who, what, when, why. Um, even with someone like Steve McLaren, you know, and it is interesting. I, I don't know how that would be perceived by the fans if he did come back. Personally, I would say the guy knows Manchester United. The guy knows football. He's been a very, very good coach. In fact, he's probably been done his best work as an assistant, perhaps perhaps over in terms of being the number one, you might argue. Um, but yeah, I don't think that they're anywhere close to getting to that point yet. No, perception is interesting because the two things that spring to your mind straight away with McLaren is that Dutch-English interview thing that he gave and having an umbrella while he was England manager, which is crazy for a guy who's had such a brilliant career in coaching in football. I mean, as as highly rated as possible McLaren was when he arrived at Manchester United and, of course, in his first year had a hand in helping the club win the treble as well, however big the, however big a hand that was. Um, Andy, the, the one sort of link between these three candidates that seem to be the ones mentioned at the minute is that they can all speak Dutch and English. Do you think that's going to be important for Ten Hag if, it, if the choice is him? I've been speaking to a lot of people in Holland who work in professional football and who know a lot more about Eric Ten Hag than I do and asking for, for their opinions. And I'm getting consistent feedback, which is, as a coach, he's excellent, very, very good. The doubts surround more about how he deals with the media, about how he communicates. So you're asking me if it's important from what the evidence that I'm hearing. Yeah, it's absolutely important. Now, that might be Amsterdamers saying, well, he's from the east of the country, is a bit difficult. But when you're in charge of Manchester United communication is really important and you you use the word perception with your previous question that's really important as well I know people have been overlooked for really big roles at Manchester United who've gone on to really big roles at other clubs because the perception was that their CV wasn't quite right for Manchester United so United clearly care about perception and a number two will be important Steve McLaren he was a very very good coach and Steve McLaren did things at United which people don't know about he introduced a psychologist, for example. We're going back to 1999 when he did that, when he, he took over Brian Kidd in the treble season. I always wonder what Brian Kidd thought about knocking it on the head in the treble season, but we'll leave that for another <laughs> another time. <laughs> Maybe getting seven times his salary at United was um, slightly comforting for him. And then Rennie Moulinstein, um, I, I'm speaking to players, former players, all at a time, and their names crop up all at a time. So when United announced that they were playing in Melbourne, well, I remember that because McLaren was in charge because Fergie wasn't. So the players had an absolute riot because Fergie wasn't there. They went out clubbing, they had the time of their lives. I spoke to a former player at the weekend, which we touched on in the last podcast. He's a current international footballer. He said Rennie was the one taking training all the time. It wasn't Fergie, it was Rennie. It was always Rennie. Tactics, tactics, tactics. So this is all secondary. This is all much further down the line. This is all subject to Tenar getting the job in the first place. But Steve McLaren has made it known, uh, and he gave a very glowing assessment of of Ten Hag that he needs the right structure around him, the right support network. Did he say that with a vested interest? I don't know. I'm not inside Steve McLaren's brain. But it's all circumstantial, this. And we know that if he just came in by himself, it's going to be almost impossible. So he needs the right people around him. And United want that. John Murta wants that. This is on John Murta, this appointment. And if he gets it wrong, that will also be on him. But he's got to go into battle with whoever the manager is who he appoints. And Richard Arnold will listen to the advice given. 
And that's what United fans have asked for, football men making football decisions, and we'll live and die by, by that decision. Do we know a timeline, Andy? I think if you look on social media, they'd like to speed the timeline up so that he's announced within the next four to five minutes, and then all of the five close-season signings are confirmed <laughs> within the next hour. Unfortunately, the truth is much more boring than that. These things take time. Ajax or PSG have got the small matter of winning their domestic leagues. Uh, it's not just what Manchester United want. You have to be respectful, and United are. Even with Rangnick, who are really respectful towards uh, Locomotive Moscow, uh, as to what all parties want. So there's loads of details to be to be thrashed out. Social media won't wait for that. They even accuse journalists of of being a killjoy because you're not giving them the news that they want to hear. I'm sorry, as a journalist, you've got to deal with the facts and you've got to be Andy, you've got to be patient. Andy, I need to hold my hands up. I knew that answer would be entertaining and that's why I pointed it in your direction because I know how much you love the idea of uh, the immediacy that uh, people come forward with on social media with things like this. Just one quick point on that. I remember David Ornstein, who's a very good journalist for The Athletic, getting abuse online from Arsenal fans because he personally wasn't sacking Unai Emery. It wasn't his job to. (laughs) It is like, speed this process up now, get him sacked, announce the new manager. And like, it's just weird. And that's just a a social media construct. So what you're saying is Laurie Whitwell needs to get on with this and appoint a manager for Manchester United then, basically. (laughs) By midnight. Well, you know, I, you know, I like to burn the midnight oils, Andy. So, um, yeah, stay, well, yeah, stay you're tuned. Up till two AM. You admitted before <laughs> writing about this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I guess the one thing is we've alluded to it there. There is still stuff to play for for Ajax this season. If he is leaving, and he is coming to Manchester United. I'm sure he'll want to finish his time in Holland on a high and win another double. It'd be his third double since being in charge there, uh, taking over in December 2017. He'd want to cement his legacy there rather than ending. Uh, on a bad note and then leaving and which maybe as well would sort of make him sort of slightly damaged goods arriving at Old Trafford if things were to fall apart in the last part of this season but nothing confirmed yet as we say keep your eyes on The Athletic for the very latest on this as both Andy and Laurie have said as soon as we know what the situation is we will let you know remember you can subscribe to The Athletic for just £1 a month for the first six months if you're a new subscriber just go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod you get full access to all our great writing and ad free versions of The Athletic's podcast as well including this one that's theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod if you want to know the latest about the manager it's a good time to do it sign up now Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. 
Okay, Laurie, we're interested. We're keeping an eye on things. Fans everywhere are waiting on every update from every single source possible. What are the players thinking about all of this, do you think? I think they're watching it like the rest of us. Um, You know, there's been reports of players' preference and, um, you know, or doubts about certain people. Um, I would always just think, well, I suppose that's natural from... Uh, you know, an employee point of view, um, you know, you sort of always have a bit of a gossip about who might be coming in, but at the same time... Um, <laughs> speaking from experience, I'm yeah. Speaking very much from experience. <laughs> um, but at the same time, it doesn't really count for all that much because, you know, the, they're, they're making this decision independent of what the players think. The, the players aren't dictating, uh, you know, who is going to come in charge, you know. I, I, listen, you might think in some part, you know, gauge... Uh, players mood um, or or thoughts if they've worked with this guy before perhaps Um, but uh, you know in this situation I think they are progressing without you know having a conversation having a dialogue with with various players in the squad Um, so I think they will find out you know kind of when we do really I mean they'll obviously have their own ideas you know that they'll have their own ways of getting information you know agents or whatever but in terms of actually what's going on it's not like you know United you know with Richard Arnold John Murta Darren Fletcher are telling the players you know um, minute by minute the, the different updates so um, they're a little bit in the dark like the rest of us and do you think this could help United's end to the season if they were to appoint someone sooner rather than later in terms of the focus that would switch back to the players and then the audition to be a part of the future for Manchester United because, of course, there's still a Champions League place to chase. We've forgotten that a little bit in all this. We have, and when Crystal Palace won the other night, I'm thinking, oh, so you're telling me there's a slight chance here? And I'm thinking, don't be <laughs> such an idiot. Don't do this say You sound like yourself. Dumb and Dumber. Wasn't that the yeah. phrase that one of them used? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it was. It, if uh, Eric Ten Hag or Mauricio Pochettino, more so Ten Hag, was appointed if some sort of announcement came out, it would absolutely change the mood because the mood's on the floor at the moment because the team are terrible and the the team can't win matches and the the team are seventh in the league. And that would give hope to a brighter future. And in the same way that United signing players would, fans want to believe in a brighter future. They're predisposed to believe in a brighter future. They want to have their idealised best 11s for next season and think that everything's going to be perfect. And there'll be a lot of optimism if Ten Hag is announced uh, as a new manager. Uh, the players would know who they're playing for, but also the players of United have been caught in, I, I said a few weeks ago, they're asking, okay, I'm interested in joining Manchester United, but who's going to be in charge next season? So it gives stability and it gives clarity. And that's one of the reasons why Manchester United want uh, a permanent manager in rather than another interim. Yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it, in terms of trying to move forward because it felt so flat in that Leicester game. It felt like something needed to give a little bit. We couldn't sit through that match eight more times this season uh, considering the way that the the 90 minutes just seemed to drift, which we spoke about, of course, on the last podcast. I mean, an interesting subplot to the potential of Ten Hag arriving at Old Trafford is the fact that you'd think there's one man very, very pleased who hasn't had a great time at United so far. And that's Donny van der Beek. Of course, Manchester United come up against Everton this weekend. He won't be able to play against us because of the terms of the loan deal. But let's hear from the Athletics Everton writer, Greg O'Keefe, about how he's been doing. I think Donny van der Beek over Everton's other January signings, and don't forget they did a lot of business uh, in, the, in the winter transfer window, right at the last minute, really, in, in terms of bringing in 
Donny and on loan, and and uh, obviously Deli Ali. Previously, they brought in two new fullbacks uh, as well. And I think that Van der Beek's been the best of, of the bunch, and that's saying something because he's had quite limited involvement so far. And obviously, Everton have been losing games, you know, left, right, and centre. However, you think back to early February and the win over Leeds to Goodison Park feels like a long time ago now, but that three 0 win, he was a really important part of that. Everything was good about Everton that day. He was, you know, a hub of playing slightly deeper than I think many Evertonians expected, almost like in a, a, a deep-lying playmaker role rather than someone who was going to be, you know, further advanced. And, um, you know, a huge part of Everton's joy against, as it was then, Marcelo Bielsa's side. Um, since then, he looked really impressive in the very narrow defeat at Goodison by Man City. Everton should really have had a point. And again, Van der Beek was influential there. He's looked physically more robust and tougher and able to get about the pitch and put his foot in, I think, than Evertonians expected. I think he's obviously benefited from the sort of chastening he had when he first came over from Holland. I think a lot of Evertonians were wondering if it'd be a similar story to Davy Clarsen, you know, another highly rated product of the Ajax conveyor belt of talent, you know, captain of Ajax as well. And, and, and at one point, captain of Holland, Everton spent a lot of money on back in 2017. Came over, didn't deliver, wasn't cut out for the Premier League far, far off the pace of it. And I think, you know, possibly Evertonians are wondering if that might be the case with Van der Beek. But I think he's adjusted a lot better than Klassen did. And he's been a big miss recently, obviously, wasn't in the squad against Newcastle and then West Ham. We really missed him, I think, against West Ham and, and last night at, at Turf Moor when you need a bit of creativity maybe in central midfield and you're having to resort to playing a centre-back in Mason Holgate. You know, a massive miss. The fact that he was injured in the warm-up uh, down in East London was just typical Everton's luck lately. When you're down there, things feel like they're going against you. And, you know, him for him to injure himself in an inoffensive warm-up routine and then not be able to face David Moyes' side was difficult. Yeah, not much good to say about Everton at the minute. Thank you, Greg, for doing that. I'm sure it's a difficult time for everyone around that club considering the position that they now find themselves in after that disastrous defeat at Burnley last night. But Andy, it sounds like Van der Beek is emerging with a little bit of credit from this loan period. Is that is that fair from from what Greg just said? Yeah, I thought Greg was was interesting there. I think there's some signs for optimism there. If he's doing that at a basket case of a club, an example of how not to run a football club, Everton have been an unmitigated failure. Given how much they've spent in recent years, for them to be facing the very real prospect of relegation, it, it, it's it's just gross negligence on behalf of the people making the decisions there and it's not one person making the decision there and that's part of the problem uh, their ownership is a, is a major issue there from a Manchester United perspective I'd like Donny van der Beek to feel that his loan period was worthwhile that he's improved that um, as Greg said physically he's become more stronger because there were definitely doubts about him when he was a Manchester United if his confidence is is higher if he comes back there might even be a Dutch manager that he can work with and suddenly a pre-season away in Bangkok in Australia he might just be a different player it has happened before there are players who've had tricky periods they've not lasted as long as Donny van der Beek's and then come good and if Ten Hag for example was to be his manager again then he might see a different role for him the player might feel he's the manager's confidence and we might see a successful player that would be the best case scenario 
I'm just looking forward to the constant debate about why Donny van der Beek is playing or not playing like we had at the start of this season, Laurie, because I'm sure that will return once he's back at Manchester United. On the face of it at Everton, it doesn't look like it's been that successful because of the situation that the club is in. He's actually made six appearances for the club so far, five starts, one off the bench. They've only won one game in that time and they've lost the rest of them. So in terms of an impact on the team, it's not been brilliant, but he can't change everything. Uh, I have to admit that Greg changed my perception a little bit in what he said about how it's gone for him because I just sort of looked at the results and thought, well, it's not gone great. But actually there was more positivity in that than I thought. What, what do you think? Sure, it was a surprise that Greg was kind of um, more upbeat about it all. I mean, I suppose that first game against uh, Leeds that he played in, or, or one of the first games, 3-0 win. Full debut. Full yeah. debut, there we go. It, it was basically... People were raving about him and saying, "Look, this is what he's capable of, and and you know this is what United have been missing out on um, since then." I've, you know, defeat at Southampton, defeat to Man City, defeat to Tottenham, defeat to Wolves without scoring. I know that's not all on him, but it, it just the blank, black and white doesn't look great. Um, and clearly, you know that that's going to be a question, isn't it? You know, Donny Van der Beek at Manchester United, is it to big for him the, the scale of the club that that's one question that's been aired um by people close to the club is it just that he was unfortunate that the system that he went into in terms of the team wasn't right and then therefore you've got the same kind of dysfunctionality at Everton you know it's probably the dysfunctional derby isn't it on Saturday when United go to Goodison um <laughs> nice I, I might be using that one in the report um <laughs> uh, and so so, th- so there's mitigating factors but at the same time this is now two clubs you know that he's been at where okay you know, I do take on board what Greg's saying. He's seen him much more for Everton than I have, but I still wonder, is that enough then to, to be a player at Manchester United on a weekly basis? So it will, listen, if Ten Hag does come in, it will be fascinating. Could he be able to get the best out of a guy that United spent £40 million on? I can't wait to debate it all over again. Fantastic. Um, 12.30, Saturday lunchtime, Goodison Park. What on earth is this going to be like, Andy? Because... United need the points, like we say, if they are going to get into the Champions League. It's a must-win in in that sense. That that might not even be enough, considering the matches that United have got to come. But Everton are going to be on the floor, aren't they? I mean, that was a huge defeat at Burnley, wasn't it? I mean, that that's sort of end-of-days result, really, isn't it? Uh, they're, they're staring down the barrel of relegation now. They are, but they're still not in the relegation zone. And they've had some great results against Manchester United in recent years. <coughs> always tends to be a huge game, Everton. It was the decider when David Moyes was getting sacked. I remember it was the first game after Istanbul, which was a terrible result for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Ole's team had lost 4-0 there as well, so it always seems to be really significant. He was getting asked about his future, year. wasn't he? When when they got beat 4-0 at Goodison Park that time. And uh, it, had he just been appointed permanent manager at that point? Yeah, I asked him the question, are you the man to take this team forward? And he came up with a really strong answer about how he's going to get rid of some of the players. Probably the strongest answer he gave um, after uh, a United game. It's going to be one of the penultimate final visits to Goodison because the new ground's being built. It is a is a vicious place for an Everton player. <laughs> so for Manchester United players, they're going to be backed by free fans. I love going to that ground. When I saw people saying Everton have got a hellish fixture list coming up, I'm going, well, wait a minute, it starts with Manchester United. Have you seen how bad United have been? <laughs> because I'm an idiot, I'll, I'll I'll watch the game and think, United are going to win this, win this, and then, oh, why am I even thinking this? So, come on, United, finish the season strongly. 
play for your own pride. That that's the hope for me talking. Everton have been terrible, but they played quite well at Old Trafford in October. Yes, they got a result under Benitez. They got a draw. Yeah, lots have happened since then, though. Lots, lot has happened since then. They were terrible pre-season at Old Trafford. I think that was four nil. And I know that the United coaches couldn't believe how bad Everton were pre-season. They're like, this team cannot be going into a Premier League like this. But then by October, you know, Fred got bundled off the ball twice, and they got they got their equaliser. Come on, United. They've got to win this, Laurie, haven't they? I mean, listen, if they don't beat a team that's in the spiral that Frank Lampard's Everton are in, um, there's something is really, really wrong. And this season will become, you know, a, a kind of non-event. It'll flatline. It'll it'll be a case of, well, you know, should we sort of make these changes now in terms of the manager situation? Um, you, you kind of get into that point, aren't you, where you're thinking, actually, is, is there merit in having him in sort of working early doors, you know, if it gets to a stage where they can't beat Everton. Um, just because I feel like, I mean, listen, maybe I'm being too despondent there, but you, you look at the table and, okay, it's, it's you know, Arsenal getting beat by Crystal Palace just shows <laughs> there's teams there that, that are brittle, you know, Tottenham looking good form. Tottenham probably now look the, the team in best form, but then it wasn't so long ago that United beat Tottenham at Old Trafford. So, you know, they're fallible well, as well. When they were losing at Burnley, Antonio Conte said he was walking away from the club. It's only, uh, I don't know, a month ago, maybe? Yeah. It's, it's not that long ago, but I, I don't know. Listen, they, they perhaps seem in a bit more you know decent form um, since that point. But um, I just feel like United don't have... They haven't all season put this kind of sequence together where you think they're going to get some momentum and you know finish in the top four. But listen, you know Everton's a one-off game and you, you've seen the way that the, the, their home fans can get agitated early you know if, if they're not kind of you know working the way they want them to and if, if they go behind particularly so United have to prey on that um, and you know I would be expecting a victory. Do you see personnel changes Laurie for this game as well there's been sort of talk of youngsters being promoted to the first team squad obviously Cristiano Ronaldo we hope is back for this game as well we'll find out on Friday when Ralph Rangnick holds his press conference exactly who is available but from that Leicester match I mean no centre forward that has to be addressed straight away doesn't it? I think so, yeah. I mean, listen, it, it got trial, didn't it, against Man City. Uh, there was moments perhaps where it, it worked, but then, you know, you really, you're asking Paul Pogba in particular to do something that he's not done before. Bruno, I suppose, is, uh, you think maybe, okay, that, that could work as a false nine. But listen, when you get into another game where it's it's no recognised centre forward, Marcus Rashford's on the bench. I know Marcus Rashford has not been in good form, but it, it's quite a stark judgment, isn't it? That to say, actually, I'll go with somebody who's not recognised in that role. Um, you know, you'd hope that Cristiano Ronaldo's back, you know, whatever the merits, you know, we've debated them, haven't we, on this podcast about what he does for the team. He does score goals. He gives you a focal point. Um, he, he's able to finish difficult chances. Um, you, you think that he would be a better bet than somebody kind of doing a, an unorthodox um, sort of job. Um, so yeah, I, I would expect changes because it, it was flat, wasn't it, against Leicester? It was it was pretty pretty lethargic. Um, there needs to be some impetus. Um, I am I, I'm, I'm always in two minds about you know putting the kids in at this stage. Just one because I think it's a bit of an unfair situation to kind of chuck them into. I, I, I wouldn't do it personally. I, I don't think some of them are ready. You know, you've got Anthony Langer there is the youngest one. I, I think even he needs time in and out of the team. He's not somebody that should be starting every week. So if you're then looking at the kind of tier below that as well, um, in terms of your Hannibal Mesbris, um, I, I don't think that he should be starting games. You know, maybe if they're 3-0 up in a match and you can sort of chuck him on for a bit of an experience, yeah. But I, I don't think you should be changing 
personnel with an intention that these young kids are going to be actually affecting the game and, and winning you that game. It, it needs to be the senior guys that are doing it, but it just needs to be the right senior guys. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, we're just going to round it off now then. Both of you have been checking your phones throughout this podcast and I'm intrigued. Uh, have we got any any updates, Andy? Um, some, someone in my phone listed as ETH. What is this curry mile I'm hearing <laughs> of in Rush House? Rush Home. Uh, Do you know that's the thing though with 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 ETH? I'm going to keep getting confused because my mates are obsessed with cryptocurrency, and an F is obviously isn't that like a, some kind of Bitcoin or something? I don't know what it is, <laughs> but I, I keep getting confused with the, you know the the kind of acronym of, of ETH. So um, Eric, yeah, it'll be Eric, won't he? We've had we've had Eric's before, yeah. yeah. Eric the Red with a K. Got another one. What's coming? Uh, how about this for a song? A rework of John O'Shea. We've got a man from Amsterdam, Tenog, Tenog. We've got a man from Amsterdam, Tenog, Tenog. So raise a pint and raise a can and cheer the man from Amsterdam. We all know that Eric will win the league. I'm not giving that any approval, by the way. You've just asked me for what messages have come in. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, and I'm telling you, will you get some fruit at lunchtime? Yeah, no problem, love. There you go. There's honesty for you. Laurie, do you want to be open about what you've been receiving? <laughs> Share with the group. Much more vanilla than that, mate. I've just been ignoring calls of people that are trying to get me that aren't, you know, particularly uh, as exciting as as Andy's ETH. Is there a curry house in Rush Home that you'd like to recommend at this point to uh, any people who might be new to Manchester? The Nawab. I, I, Nawab's in Rush Home, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, the big yeah. one. We used to go there all the time as kids. Um, and I went past it the other day, actually, and it's looking like it's had a lick of paint. So nice renovations. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So if, I think if you go in that way, first stop. Favourite curry? Uh, I usually go for chicken, butter chicken, uh, and but, well, if we're talking about garlic naan curries, I asked Ollie Gunner about his curry, and he gave the most feeble answer. So I would hope that whoever does come in as Manchester United manager has got a decent taste in curries, because Ollie was like, um, I don't like anything that's even slightly spicy. Like Laurie, butter chicken, it's as tame as it gets, that, isn't it, for a man with such weird taste? <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll go further sometimes, but yeah, I'm not as bad as, as Ollie here. Come on, isn't this... What did is he this have? Where, is this where it's going, Andy? This is what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, he had, he had like the weakest um, curry that you can have. 
And um, I got him to say it on live telly, and he got slaughtered for it. And I did a follow-up question, and he got really defensive on telly. He's like, "No, no, I, I just, I just don't like curry that much." <laughs> just fantastic seeing him. Now we've got loads of people in India saying, "Well, this curry doesn't even exist in India." He's a korma man, isn't he? Is that it? Yeah, he, he, he was a very light, light korma, but not too spicy. If Tenar comes in and has a chicken madras as he's presented, go on, lad. Then he's away, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. Maybe we need to get on the line to Nawab then, see if they can host a press conference or just some sort of picture opportunity, maybe. <laughs> In fact, we should top the season off by going there, shouldn't we, really? And have yeah, a good, good idea. That'd, I like that idea. That'd be a good way of doing it, especially if Eric joins us, if he is appointed as the Manchester United manager, because it's not confirmed yet, as we should point out at this point. And Mauricio Pochettino might also be partial to a curry as well. There's some... Some brilliant curry houses in London, to be fair, isn't there? So maybe he's already got a taste for it. I'm sure they serve it in Paris too. Bit of Brick Lane. Brick Lane, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's no rush home, is it? But it's all right if you live in London, I suppose, and can't get up to Manchester. Right, we better round it off then. Keep your eyes peeled to The Athletic for the very latest on Manchester United's hunt for a new manager, which seems to be reaching its conclusion to the point where we're talking about what curry they're going to have when they arrive. Um, don't forget, you can subscribe to The Athletic for just £1 a month for the first six months. Just go to athletic.com forward slash Man United pod. But that's it for now. Thank you for listening. Let's hope we've got something good to talk about next week, whether that be on or off the pitch. Andy, thank you for being with us. Laurie, you too. Go and enjoy your butter chicken. See you on the next one. Bye-bye. Athletic.